The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Good afternoon and welcome to The Career Confidant. This is your host for The Career Confidant, Marie Zimanoff. And we are here every week to provide you with career tools and tips and resources to take control of your own career and move in your own direction. Today we're bringing you a special show live from the National Career Development Association Conference in Denver, Colorado. So very exciting here to be at the NCDA, National Career Development Association Conference. And I'm here with my colleague, Ruth Pankratz, and we're going to be sharing some great information with you job seekers and or career climbers today on interview strategies. So one of the things that we've noticed is when people are changing careers, whether that's a small change, maybe just an industry, or a big change, you went back to school and you're now going to be a counselor instead of an administrative assistant, there are some interviewing strategies and missteps that we see pretty commonly, so we wanted to talk about those today. We're going to be talking about how to know what to expect, right? You're changing careers, so you might not know what to expect in this new field or new industry, how to translate your experience, how to demonstrate that you're a fit, sticking with the facts, and answering those gap questions. So Ruth is here to join me, and she is a dual-certified resume writer as well as an MBA and has been coaching job seekers and interviewing strategies and writing resumes for about seven years. Is that right, Ruth? That's right, Marie. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us here today. So what do you find is important for a job seeker to do when they're preparing for an interview in a new field? How can they know what to expect? Well, Marie, there's a couple things that I really um, encourage my clients to do. First off, research the organization. Understand who you're looking to work for, what kind of culture that organization has, um, a little bit about what they do. It's, you know, I'm always amazed when people say, oh, I went on an interview and learned that they manufacture a product. (laughs) Well, maybe actually before the interview, you should have known a little bit of that information. It would have probably helped facilitate the conversation as well as helped um, you ask some intelligent questions. So researching the organization is really important. And then also then researching the job if you can. You know, we're in in 2015 here with some great technology. You've got sites like LinkedIn where you can start to um, enter in job titles and get a little bit of a 
um, information about what somebody does or what their um, accomplishments have been in those roles. And so just really understanding what the job is, is going to entail is important. And Maria, I'm sure you've had those clients who were surprised by the title maybe not aligning with what they thought the um, role was going to entail and what they would have to do day, to, day in and day out. Yeah, and today they can use LinkedIn somewhat, right? They might be able to find the profile of someone who held that position in the past and maybe get a better flavor for where that person came from and, and maybe even where they went and a little bit about what they actually did in that job based on their profile. So there are some neat things that you can do on LinkedIn maybe a little more realistic than just reading a job description. Absolutely. And the beauty of LinkedIn, um, not to get on a LinkedIn tangent here too much, but it will tell you if you have connections. And so that's another beautiful thing. As you're reading about these different job descriptions, you might find out that you have a friend of a friend who actually works there and maybe has held that type of role. So um, it's wonderful to really start to research your organization. And the other thing you can always do is go to the company's or the organization's website. You know, look at what's going on in the press. What have they really least lately, what's been happening at the organization, um, to really understand a little bit more about how they're positioned, and then start to network. Um, the other thing that's great about organization websites, they usually tell what associations they're with or who they're affiliated with, and that might be an opportunity for you to, for example, go to the Chamber of Commerce meeting and, and meet the, some people from that organization in a um, non-invasive way. So when we think about knowing the organization and we do our research ahead of time, how might that change the questions that we ask an interviewer? What do you recommend in terms of the questions that we might want to have our, our job seekers ask? Well, something that's always really good to ask is um, you could always ask about what the previous person's success looked like. Start to understand what that employer is hoping this next role that you're applying for um, is going to offer as, as far as success. And you could even say, how do you measure that success? It's very important to understand when you get into a new role that there's going to be measurements on what that organization needs from you. And, you know, I've had some job seekers who have said, oh, I'm so glad I asked that because I would have never, if I'm in marketing, for example, collected so much data or had so much digital background information, I don't even know how to analyze that. And so that's not a good fit for you if that's going to be the expectation of the employer. And it's, as you and I both know, it's much better to interview, take your time, really probe some of those questions than it is to take a job and be frustrated on a month and then have to research for another position or role. Yeah, and one of our colleagues, you've probably heard Carrie Pinsky say this, that the worst question you can ask in an interview is something you can find on the company's homepage of their yeah. website, right? <laughs> right? So we want to make sure that we've done enough research to ask a question that kind of springboards off of information that we've found or specific information to the position. Of, as you've said, what are the measurements? How will they measure success? All of those questions that really dig deeper and show that you're taking that interest in the in the position and the company. Right. And as important as salary is, you and I both probably agree on this point, it's not the time or the place in the very first interview to say, so what is this pay and how much vacation time do I get? You'll get to all those details soon enough and they'll unveil themselves. You might want to understand what you have to do for that money before you worry about the money. Yeah. And I always talk about that not being a first date question right you're on the first date you know especially in that first interview and and money politics religion all of those topics are things we don't want to talk about in a first date or a first interview 
and I'll just throw this out there. I know some of our colleagues talk about if you want to research the company and see the culture that you go, you know, go and be a customer. That's a great way. I used to hear people say, you know, go sit in the parking lot while people are leaving. Well, that sounds a little creepy to me, but we could go to lunch nearby. There's some other things we could do (laughs) as well to just see what that culture looks like, or maybe even volunteer where you know people from that organization volunteer. Well, and that's such a great point, Marie, because, um, you know, I've helped out a lot of clients and um, some of the biggest mistakes that they can make, especially with a company, is when they go to interview and they're off the mark. For example, um, you know, I was helping out a, a young person who was just graduating and they were trying to get into a very professional architecture firm and they happened to wear a baseball cap and shorts to the first interview because there just wasn't that awareness. And you're right, just stopping by the Starbucks across the street, grabbing some coffee and maybe observing a little bit about the professional dress going into this firm. And it was a national firm, very well known. Um, obviously, people were very dressed up. Um, you know, a suit was not unheard of going through those doors, would have really helped this person. The baseball cap in any shape or form wasn't going to help this um, young aspiring professional. So I'm sure you've had that experience as well, Marie. Yeah, and I just always talk to people about, especially if you get to talk to the HR person who is scheduling the interview, HR people are mostly by nature helpers. Ask them, what's the dress code for the interview? What will people be expecting? I had a client that was coming from the East Coast to interview here in Colorado at a lumber company, and all he'd brought was a suit. And I said, ooh, and he said, okay, I'll ask. And he asked the HR person, asked, and the HR person said, a suit's probably going to be too much. So he wore his shirt and his suit pants, but just without the jacket and felt comfortable, didn't stand out, was a little bit more dressed than he would be to go to work there, which is exactly what we want. So, no, don't be afraid to ask. And you can also ask about what the process is going to look like, who you're going to interview with, so that you walk in there with as much information and as much research as you can do. HR people are typically happy to help you prepare if you're asking those questions. And that's another key point. Asking the HR person the timeline of that interview is important because the assumption that an interview is going to take you, oh, 45 minutes, you'll be in and out, is a bad assumption these days. There are many organizations who, whether it's a panel of interviewees or individuals that you'll go interview um, one after another after another, some of these interview processes can take several hours. And it's really good to understand the expectation as well as if you're expected to join them for lunch or other activities. Yeah, it's interesting. There was just an article that came out in maybe Forbes or Business Week or something about that, that the interview process is taking longer today than it did 10 years ago. Very interesting, very interesting data about our our time there in the interview process. All right, so we've done our research, and especially if we're transitioning industries or transitioning slightly in our job, now we know kind of what to expect, the culture, the types of questions they might ask. So then we've got to think about how are we going to translate our experience into their language. And people here will talk a little bit about transferable skills, and that's a fine term, but you as a job seeker may be thinking, what the heck is a transferable skill? And most of the time we go very fluffy when we get to transferable skills. We talk about how we're good with people and we're a great communicator, things that just aren't very differentiating. And so I like to talk about translating your experience, right? It's translating those skills and your experience into 
into the language of the new employer based on the transition that you're that you're making, right? And Ruth, you've heard, heard some people say some interesting things when they're walking into a new industry that I had never heard people say. So tell us what maybe we should think about not saying in these interviews. Oh, we've heard, I've heard so many different things um, from, you know, this is such a big change or, wow, that's what you're going to expect from me. Um, if you're looking for a job, sometimes, I know Marie's talking about translating your experience and how to communicate. Sometimes the best thing you can do is put a little editor in your head and maybe just be quiet. <laughs> maybe there are some things that you shouldn't say first and foremost. So, um, you know, there are some things that we don't want to say as far as, especially if we're switching um, our jobs from, let's say you're going from uh, administrative role into a bookkeeping role. You might have been doing the AR and AP process for quite some time. It's really not that big of a change. But to go into an interview and go, wow, this is going to be such a big change. That's not real affirming for the employer. That doesn't build confidence and that doesn't help out your situation. Um, saying, I'm not sure what skills will transfer. Here's my resume. You want to look at it? That doesn't help either. <laughs> so you, you need to kind of understand how you fit into the role and then understand how you're going to communicate that. So if we go back to the example of somebody who's been an administrator and going into more of a bookkeeping role, it would be lovely to hear in the interview, oh, I've had experience with this before and I really enjoyed it. I'm great with the details or I'm great with keeping track of this process. Um, those are the things we do want to hear in an interview versus what we don't want to hear. And once again, that editor in your head is very, very important. Yeah. So we're going to come back. We're going to keep talking about some of these things in terms of translating our experience, what we want to say, how we can translate that experience. Just kind of add on to that in cover letters. Sometimes I people see people start with, my transferable skills are. Well, to me, all you do is highlighting that you haven't been in that industry before, and that's probably not how we want to start off this conversation, right? We want to start in with how we are a good fit, what skills we do have that will be a match. And so when we come back from our break, we will talk about how you can get started down that road versus starting off with saying that, hey, maybe I'm not that experienced. (laughs) So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more, old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and we are live from the National Career Development Association Conference here in Denver, Colorado. And the National Career Development Association is mainly college career counselors, people who are focused on helping people like you all out there develop in your career. How do we grow? How do we take control of our own career direction? So very near and dear to my heart, as that's why we started this show. And today we're joined by Ruth Pankratz, who is, as I said before, dual certified resume writer and has her MBA marketing genius and sharing (laughs) some of that marketing genius with you in terms of interviewing strategies. And we've been talking a little bit about kind of that transferable skills idea or starting off our conversation by saying, hey, I've got great transferable skills. And Ruth, you you had another thought to share on that. Sure. So we were um, just touching base a little bit on things not to say, and and it goes along the lines with your cover letter. When we're introducing ourselves professionally, the first thing that we don't want to hear is, well, I've never done this before, or I don't have experience with this. I'm very interested. It just doesn't build that trust. It doesn't build that relationship on the right foot. So it's not only what you're saying maybe verbally or in person, but also consider what you have on your cover letter or e-note Um, that you're sending out to employers as well. We want to build confidence that you are the right person for the role. And so making sure that you're introducing yourself or bringing to light the skills that you do have and the experience that you have um, is a great way to start that conversation with an employer. Yeah, so really what you're doing is you're identifying what they're looking for for and then you're saying okay this is what I have that matches that and nobody has a hundred percent of the things right nobody has a hundred percent of the qualifications or experience or they're saying they want five years of experience in something that no one has five years of experience in right I'm sure you've seen those job descriptions so it's thinking about how can you speak to what you do have and you're not necessarily speaking to what you don't have, right? If I'm coming in, they say they want experience with access, and they say, you know, tell me about your experience with access. Well, Ruth and I both used to work at a nonprofit where students were just learning, and they'd say, well, I just know, or I only have done this. And you're discounting your experience, where if you just told the facts, right, as we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, you would avoid kind of that language that, that diminishes your experience. Absolutely. And I don't think there's any employer out there, and Marie, you can try and think of one, who expects any sort of hiring process for there not to be a learning curve of some sort. So it's very rare that an employer says, I expect them to hit the ground running on day one and know everything about this job and be able to be up, you know, 100% at production level. Um, It just, there's an expectation you're going to learn some things. So allow the employer to decide if you have the level or the depth of knowledge versus discounting yourself right away. Well, and we tend to kind of over-exaggerate the 
transition sometimes. For instance, Ruth was talking about her person that was in admin and was going into a bookkeeping. That's not a huge change. But I would hear people say, oh, I'm making such a big change. You know, none of my experience matters. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to back up and really think about what are the skills that are important where you're going and how many of those have you actually done? My guess is quite a few or it wouldn't make sense to make that transition, right? Whether you've done those things at school or as part of your job, whatever it might be, is figuring out how to communicate those experiences that do matter versus kind of starting off on that foot of I don't have it or it's such a huge change. Absolutely. And I think there's a little bit of a psychological game that goes on, especially if you're in the military and you're transitioning to a civilian job. Just because you're hearing terms that are new to you or you're, um, you, it's lingo you haven't used doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing. And so don't psych yourself out <laughs> and then say things or step in things that you actually, they're not the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we are, we're matching our experience. We know how we want to talk about our experience in their language. And then that feeds into our next item here, which is demonstrate your fit or sound like a fit. Now, the first question that an employer is most likely going to ask is this wonderful, open-ended, ambiguous, tell me about yourself. (laughs) So what are some of the mistakes that people make, especially career changers, when they get that wonderful question, tell me about yourself? Oh, I've heard so many things. And and once again, this goes back to that editor in your brain a little bit. Um, Tell me about yourself. Somebody can get way too personal, personal information. Um, When the employer is saying, tell me about yourself, they want to just kind of have that high-level skimming, 30,000-foot view of what you've been doing. If you're changing jobs or you're adjusting into a new role, um, you're growing your career is what you're doing. You don't need to get into the depths of your previous employer and why you're having to make this shift in your career. Tell me about yourself. You can go back to our example with an administrative assistant who's going into bookkeeping you know what, I've been in this role, I've been able to help people, I've grown my skills, I now have more APAR experience, invoicing experience, and I'm ready to continue down that path. That's enough of a view for the employer to get a feel. You don't need to go into that your dogs, 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 puppies, or with your neighbor's friends, and you don't need all that extra stuff. Yeah, and this is a great place to start out with maybe a story that's memorable, or some people kind of do the past, present, future, past being here are some of the relevant things I've done in the past, right now I'm taking a class or I'm interested in this or whatever the kind of present situation might be that's relevant and then the future is I'm really interested in this position because, so that can be a good way to structure that and then I think you were talking about Ruth, that sometimes people bring up their strengths and weaknesses, what might get them in trouble if they do that in their answer to tell me about yourself? Well, tell tell me about yourself is more of a way for you to communicate with the employer so they can understand who you are and, and what's going on. If you start to bring up strengths and weaknesses and answer the question, it doesn't really answer the question, tell me about yourself. And the other thing is it can get you into a weird conversation right off the bat. And so understanding um, that it's just a chance to share information. And and I want to interject here too, Marie, um, for job seekers, those of you who might have a little wisdom behind you a few years, um, going into the past, present, and future discussion is a great way to um, 
just kind of reassure the employer that you are thinking about future and what you're doing with your career versus, oh yeah, I'm going to retire next month. So um, if you're a little bit wiser as a job seeker, um, that's a great way to present that information and, and tell about yourself without starting with the strengths and the weaknesses and all those details that are going to come out or be asked of you later on. Yeah, and just an, a thought there, you know, I hear so many experienced professionals, whether it's on their resume or in an interview, they start off with that, well, I have 30 years of experience. And then they wonder when they're getting dis- discriminated against for age. Well, that's kind of you're branding yourself that way. So be careful of that. You know, how you introduce yourself, how you talk about yourself in this is a big part of what you think is important. And if you're going to emphasize those years, we want to make sure that either the right audience is in front of you to do that, or that maybe you're doing something that's a little bit more market driven, which right now is what can you do for me tomorrow? Not necessarily how many years of experience do you have? So that there may be a different way to talk about that and to share it, whether that's the past, present, and the future, or one of the other ways that people answer this is, you know, the three areas I really excel. That can be a great one for career changers, which maybe your past experience isn't that relevant, so you don't want to go there. Here's the three areas of, that I excel in, and this is why I'm really interested in this position can also be a good strategy for tell me about yourself. So if we've got these we've got our tell me about yourself down and then we know that they're going to ask us stories, right? They're going to say, tell me about a time when you've done X, Y, or Z. How can our, how can these job seekers, Ruth, make sure that they sound like a fit when they're answering those questions? Well, there's a great strategy for that, Marie. And and if you've written your own resume, you already know you probably had to put in some accomplishments. And you might have heard different terms around that. One is CAR, the challenge action result. Another one is the STAR, the situation, the tasks, the actions, results. You're getting the, the theme here. Um, when you're creating all that content for your resume, you might want to hold one or two of those aside for the interview. And so when somebody says, tell me a story about when you've had a success, well, you can tell them a little bit about the challenge, the action, and then a positive result that you have. And that allows um, the employer to understand the story, but it's specific. You're not meandering. You're not going off course. You're not thinking, uh, uh, uh. And capture those um, challenge, action, and results for areas that maybe didn't go right. Because more likely than not, the employer at some point will say, tell me about a time when things didn't go the way as planned. Or tell me about the time when you've stumbled or made a mistake. And it's not so much to make fun of you or poke fun of you. It's more to gather that information about how you process information, if you're going to be a good fit for that organization, and how you present yourself. We've all made mistakes. I don't know a single person, I haven't met one yet, who hasn't made a mistake. And so don't be embarrassed as long as you can tell what you learned from the situation and you've moved on. If that's a situation that's touchy and you can't say it, then leave it out of the conversation. Yeah, and as you're going through and putting together those stories, first for your resume and then for an interview, when you're in transition, you want to think about what makes sense to share and what doesn't. So I was working with a a job seeker who was moving from working on printer cartridges to medical device, and all of her stories included these part numbers. 
I was like, what in the heck is that? I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. And she said, oh, well, we were working on this product and that product. And I said, oh, none of that matters, right? When you're transitioning, and maybe even if you're staying in the same field, when we're caught up in these details that don't really add to your story and your value, it's just all distraction. And especially when we're transitioning, we want to think about how can I tell that story with language that will make sense to the new employer? Are, are there some industry jargon terms that I can leave out to help sound like a fit in this new industry versus talking printer cartridges when I'm going to talk to someone who's making a, a medical device? So stories, get them down positive handling negatives, and then think about what you might need to scrub out there in terms of the specifics that aren't going to make sense to that new employer. So we are going to take another short break here. We'll be right back and continue talking with Ruth about these five mistakes and five strategies for those of you who are interviewing in some sort of transition. We'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And again, today we are talking about interviewing strategies, especially for when you're making some kind of a career transition, whether that's industry or maybe a a role change of some kind. So we've been talking with Ruth Pankratz here about how we can make sure we know where we're going, do our research, then how we can make sure we've got 
our skills lined up to what translates, what do they want to hear that I've done. And then we've been talking a little bit about how we can sound like a fit, really crafting our stories with the language that the employer is going to expect. And Ruth, you were going to tell a story about a job seeker you were working with and how they were able to do that. Right. Actually, it's a little bit opposite is how they weren't able to do that. So um, thanks, Marie. So, you know, I was working with a client and he had found me through the NRWA website and, and he was across the nation. So it was all by telephone that we were talking. And he said, you know, I just keep getting to like that second or third interview and, and I'm getting shut down. I'm getting shut down. So we were kind of probing different things that were going on. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about what, you know, was a success story for you or what was a failure for you and so it was making that story specific where he was totally falling down he would go into tangents about what the team had done and so there's the situation however then he gave everybody else credit so then my colleague did all these actions my other colleague did these actions my boss did these actions and the result was they all got these awards so Essentially, he was taking an interview, promoting all his colleagues and his boss, wasn't taking credit for anything, whether that was good or bad, and wasn't generating any results. And so the employers had nothing they could do with that. They had no idea if this person could succeed, if this person would fail, or what this person was bringing to the table. So that ownership and really kind of owning your stories, good, bad, and different the actions that you took and the results that you're generating, not your colleagues, not your team. It wasn't the company's fault. There wasn't a bad decision made by the CEO. It's about you. What are you bringing to this next organization that's really important? And so we kind of refixed his stories and made them relevant. <laughs> yeah. And we do want to think about that. Of course, we want to think about not bad-mouthing a former employer in any way or a colleague, if you're going to tell a negative story, really the only person you can get away with blaming is yourself. Taking responsibility for something you did wrong and talking about what you learned is a great way to answer one of those negative questions. But the other thing we want to make sure that we're thinking about is in that interview itself, how are we interacting with the interviewer? And you might think this is a no-brainer, but Ruth and I have both worked with job seekers who end up getting in arguments with interviewers during the interview, right? I had a, a candidate that was working with a, a company and started to kind of question where they were going with their strat strategic plan, which, you know, maybe you want to have that conversation, but probably not in a group interview and maybe not until they've made an offer. It would be the appropriate time to talk about that if you are concerned and want to make sure you have that conversation before you start. And I always think about this and, and Ruth laughs. I think we were at this conference together where, um, one of the ladies that was presenting got up and kind of talked about, do you want to be right or happy? And it's a great thing to think about with your kids, with your spouse, but also in a job interview, right? Do you want to be right or do you want to be hired? Because that's why you're at the interview is to have that good conversation. But we don't need to start an argument with that employer in the <laughs> in the in the interview. I agree. I am. Um, I have to chuckle. One of the um, best sessions I had with a, a client was a gentleman who was in security, and he really wanted to get into corporate security. He had really really done a lot of self-training, which kudos to him for taking those initiatives. But he would get in these interviews, and as he was talking with the interviewing panel, he would start to explain why their security process was incorrect. 
Now, this is somebody who hasn't been in a corporate setting. This is somebody who hasn't been in that role. And to start poking holes at the organization where you want to work, in his mind, he was showing up how much value he could add, how right he was as far as his knowledge that he was bringing. But in reality, when you're in a conversation, poking at the employer, eh, maybe not such a good idea. Maybe gently asking why they're doing something, or can you explain how this benefits the organization would have been a much better approach, rather than saying, wow, your process is at fault here, and this is why you're failing. Um, You know what? Nobody really wants to know how they're failing, and so pointing that out on an interview is just really not the right setting. Yeah, and the questioning there that you were just talking about is kind of that Dale Carnegie approach, right? Asking good questions, helping discovery, but not ever questioning or arguing, especially in the interview or especially in the first interview, right? (laughs) There may be a time where you want to ask some deeper questions and make sure that you're in alignment with the organization's philosophy. But again, that's going to be more questioning than saying that you're wrong right there in that interview. But that hopefully doesn't happen too often. So the next thing that we're going to lead into here is we now we've got our stories down. We're thinking about how we can sound like a fit. Then we really want to think about what doesn't need to be included. And we've talked about this a little bit, but that minimizing language. So I've just done this. I've only done that. Or I've been this great thing, but... All of those words really get in our way when we think about how we can impress someone, but also how we can be true to our experience without belittling it. And then one of the other things that people do, Ruth, is they they do a good amount of TMI, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, they definitely do. And, you know, when you're in those interviews and and, um, there's that silence, Um, A trick that I always tell my candidates is either count in your head to five or sing a little song to yourself like happy birthday to you because silence is golden. And employers are definitely good at asking a question. You'll answer it and then just waiting. Just waiting. It's that uncomfortable silence and all of a sudden we get into that TMI, what I call word vomit. We just start telling more and more and more about the situation. And before we know it, we've just talked ourselves out of an opportunity. And a lot of times that happens when we aren't as prepared as we should be. And I'll have people come into my office and they'll say, well, you know, I don't want to write that down or memorize it because then it'll sound canned. And I'll say, yes, and what will happen if you don't? Most likely, you will get yourself into a situation where you're saying something you didn't even ever plan on saying. I had a candidate who was asked, you know, that great story of tell me about a time you had a disagreement with a boss. And he got halfway through the story and realized that the end of the story was that he got fired and he wasn't sure how to tell the story. And so he told the story and ended with the ending that he got fired and probably no surprise that there wasn't a second interview there, right? So we've got to think about how can we prepare, at least know what stories we're comfortable telling, what are the highlights, what are those bullet points so that we get into the interview and we're prepared with the beginning, middle, and end of a story. It can still flow. We can say that pull in pieces and and forget pieces based on how it was asked, but we're not leading ourselves down this path where we're going to continue to 
blah, 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 right? And just keep talking when we're, we really should be done with our story. Yes, Happy Birthday to You is a great song for your head to not ignore the employer, but to allow that silence to happen. It's okay for everybody in the room to be quiet, to take a drink of water, and to just regroup your thoughts. Let's face it, interviews are intense, man. It's, it's a lot of emotion and a lot of pressure, and um, this is just one way that you can kind of deal with that pressure. And to realize, too, when you are talking about something and it goes the wrong direction, how might you adjust that next time? So I was working with a a lovely lady who was interviewing for positions, and she had worked in administrative roles from home. And she said, you know, I keep getting this thing where people don't want me to work with them because I've worked from home for so long. And I said, well, how are you getting on the topic that you've worked from home? She said, well, I don't know. It just always comes up. I said, well, are they asking that you if you've worked from home? Well, no, but I'll tell a story. And, you know, I'll say, well, when I was working from home, well, do we need to say that? Probably not, right? It's information that doesn't have to be shared, especially when you're noticing that it's getting in your way. Consider, is there a way you could tell those stories without that information and still be truthful and and having that good starting place in terms of trust with your employer but not stepping on your own toes and there's definitely another place where people step on their own toes and that's salary right Ruth absolutely absolutely so nobody needs to know the salary that you make nor does the question of salary need to come up and and I had a candidate that I was working with and you know he was going from um, some just basic programming of a coder into management and in his enthusiasm and excitement of, you know, expanding his career higher, um, he would just blurt out, well, in my previous role, this was the salary I made. Well, the next role that he was going into, it wasn't relevant. It didn't even need to be brought up. And just as Marie was saying, you start to ask a little bit more about, well, how did salary come up in the first place? And unfortunately, we sometimes bring these things up that we don't need to bring into the conversation. And so talking about salary is something we don't need to bring up. It doesn't need to come up as a question or answer situation. And if you ever ever asked the salary question, because I'm sure some of you are saying, but wait a minute, they always ask. If you're asked that question, simply defer the question by saying, I'm still learning about your expectations and how this role could be a success or a match with my talents and skills. Um, I'd like to set that aside for now. Or did you want to just tell me the range of the last person who worked in this role? All you're doing is deflecting that answer to the employer and moving on. It's not the focus, nor do you need to bring it up as a topic. Yeah. And, you know, if you're having a phone screen, that may be the one time where the person on the other end is filling out a little form, almost like an application. Give them a range so that you can move on with that conversation. But again, there's no reason for you to share that information or take the conversation down that path. And there's similar things in terms of time off, flexibility. Oh, I've got this vacation coming up. None of that really needs to be discussed until you get further along in the relationship. And most of the time I say that none of that needs to be discussed until you have an offer. They make you an offer. You come back and you say, just want you to know that I've got this or that. Or and how can we work together to make the salary closer to X? That's the time to have all of those conversations versus in the interview where we really want to stick to the facts of our experience our stories, our qualifications, how we can bring value to that employer 
versus maybe kind of what we need for us is what a lot of these questions end up being. Right. And Marie, you're bringing up a great point. Whatever you have that's personal should stay personal. So if you're going through a tough time, a divorce, or you're taking care of an elderly parent or any of those things, yes, it is your life. Yes, it is the most important thing that is going on in your life in addition to this interview, but keep it personal. This is not the time for you to be bringing those things to the table that the employer has to try and figure out now, okay, now that's part of your package or what you bring. Keep those things quiet. I mean, even if you're newly engaged and you're going to be married in the fall, there's a time and a place to bring that up to discuss it. And those first couple interviews where you're just supposed to be learning about the job is not the time to be asking for, you know, months off of work. Yeah, good. Well, we are going to take our last short break here. We'll be right back with Ruth and continue talking about our last mistake and strategy for interview success. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we are hanging out with Ruth Pankratz at the National Career Development Association Conference talking, interviewing. And we've been talking about just the facts, please, that if we are preparing for the interview, we want to make sure we know what stories we want to tell so that we aren't kind of having that word vomit as Ruth talks about it, (laughs) and that we know our salary range, our research, how we're going to handle those questions. And then the last thing I I would touch on here is those negative questions. I always say no blame, no drama. So if you're going to answer a question about your worst boss, and the time you've been laid off or fired, just the facts there, definitely. No blame, no drama. I filed for 
um, I sued the company for unemployment, right? I've heard these stories (laughs) that people are talking about in interviews, and we just, we don't want to bring that along with us. I always say that if you're worst boss brings up that negative emotion, then find a different worst boss to talk about, right? It doesn't have to be that one. Absolutely. And that goes in line with if it's too emotional and you start to cry or start to get emotionally charged from the situation, get yourself in check. The last thing that you want to do is um, be putting that impression on a future employer. Yeah, I actually had a colleague who cried in an interview once, and I was so embarrassed for her, her, with her, you know, she was embarrassed, and I just thought, oh my goodness, you know, when you're in that place where you're frustrated, or some, all of us have been there, for one reason or another, and making sure that when we're preparing for the interview, we're preparing to tell stories that don't bring those things up. We don't have to. Just because they're asking about your worst boss doesn't mean it actually has to be the one that makes you cry, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're just, they're asking to see how you handle conflict, how you address that situation, how you worked with that person. And if you have someone else that you've had a more minor conflict with, that may be a better story to show those skills without bringing in that emotion, which maybe couldn't be helped or there would never happen again, right? Absolutely. So we we want to make sure that we're sticking to the facts. And then our last piece is that we're probably going to have to talk about the gap or the change. Sounds worse than it is. But if you're changing from administrative work to counseling, or maybe you're taking a step back and you're changing from technical management to being a programmer and people are going to ask you know why are you making this change or maybe they're going to be concerned that you are just trying to get your foot in the door and we want to make sure that we can answer that question so Ruth what would you suggest that people think about when they're thinking about how they want to talk to that gap or that change well, a couple things, Marie. One of the first things is, is it recent or is it several years behind? If, if you've you know had a gap, maybe you raised kids for five years, but you've had three jobs since then. If an employer looks over your resume and notices a gap, it can be just one sentence. Yes, that's when I took care of my family. Move on and move forward. If it's recent, then be sure to um, make sure you have your ducks in a line, so to speak. What type of volunteer work have you been doing? What education have you been getting? So if it's been two years since your last job, as long as you don't say, I know all of the channels on you know Comcast Xfinity <laughs> from 1 to 220, um, you've probably done some sort of volunteering or education or exploration with your career. You can talk about that. If you haven't, you might want to get out there and volunteer a little bit. Start to get those skills brushed off. And you want to make sure that you're enthusiastic and able to show that enthusiasm in some way for where you're going, right? And that doesn't mean that we all have to be cheerleaders or... However, I would say that if you're an introverted person, you probably want to practice saying, I'm so excited to be in this type of position or I'm really excited to use my skills because usually for us introverted people, we need to say it because our emotional self is not going to show it, right? We're going to probably be in our shells and people are going to go, I don't know if they're really interested or not. So we've got to say it and we want to make sure that we're being connected to where we're going and that might be a very big you know esoteric or really meaningful I'm going to save the world or it may just be that I want to work at Home Depot versus Hobby Lobby because I I love working on houses and I've always loved tools it doesn't have to be some huge 
reason, but being able to connect to why we want that job that we're interviewing for. Absolutely, Marie. And I think a great tip that has um, helped a lot of my clients is when you first read the job description, there was something that struck you that you went, this sounds great because jot it down, write it down, and then bring that into the interview. You want to keep that positive focus on why you wanted to work in the first place. No employer wants to hear, I have bills and I have to pay them. (laughs) Or this is close to my house. (laughs) That's one of my other favorite ones. Yes. So we, we have to be a little bit smart as job seekers. Um, to bring that enthusiasm in. You know, maybe there was an opportunity in the job description to learn some new software and you've been wanting to to learn that skill. Bring that up. There's nothing wrong with having that enthusiasm. And like Marie said, you don't have to be a cheerleader and get all excited and Twitter-pated. But just saying that you are interested does help the employer know. They, They go through a lot of interviews and you'd be amazed at how many job seekers don't even say that they're interested in the role. Yeah. And, you know, just thinking about that enthusiasm and thinking about why we want to apply for a position, you know, if you're not excited about a position, that may be a clue that you don't interview or that you're, you know, you go in and you're interviewing and you're asking questions. And if you don't get excited about it while you're there, it's perfectly okay to say at the end of the interview or maybe in an email afterwards, I enjoyed the meeting you. I enjoyed the opportunity to learn more about your company. This role just doesn't seem like it's a good fit. I appreciate your time and hope you find the right person, right? There's nothing that says that you have to go. And in fact, maybe it's better if you don't, if you're not excited about it, people are going to be able to tell. (laughs) Right, right. And if you're just coming out from having a gap of work, um, for whatever reason, make sure that you're kind of in that emotional right space. And if you need to, you know, sit with a career counselor for a few sessions to get there, that's okay, too. But don't try to make everybody acknowledge the sorrow, whether it was a personal illness, or you took care of somebody or something tragic happened. That was your life, and that's your business, but it doesn't need to be acknowledged in every interview or um, empathy given to you at every moment because of that. Yeah, I worked with a client once who was getting a divorce, and it was very traumatic. And the client came to me, and they said, you know, I keep talking about this in the interview, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, why are we talking about that? <laughs> well, you know, it's a it's a personal thing, and it's, you know, they're going to be part of their company. It's very important that they know that about me. I said, no, actually, it's not, right? Yes, we want to be personable, and we want to open up a little bit, but we don't want to be talking about these traumas in especially the first couple of interviews we want to be friends with our coworkers. We want to have that relationship with them, but we really want them to be our coworkers before we go there, right? Absolutely. So um, when we think about that kind of positive and future focused, right, you're kind of putting that hat on of where you want to be when you walk through the door, you're owning it, you're talking about the right language, you're, you're knowing the culture, you've done your research, it's really a lot more about preparation than it is the day of. To me, the day of is really about relationship. You've practiced, you've prepared. You're not really trying to sell yourself, right? I mean, you're speaking to your experience, you're speaking confidently about how you can add value, but you're trying to build that relationship. And so, Ruth, I'll let you kind of say a last thought about that, and we'll also share how people can get in touch with you, because believe it or not, we've only got a few minutes left in the show. Goodness. So, I agree with you 100%, Marie. Building that relationship, the day of the interview is just as important for you, the job seeker, to be interviewing the employer as it is for them to be interviewing you. So, gather that information, be prepared 
prepared. Go in and relax. You can actually have silence. You can actually laugh a little bit. It's a good time to really understand what you might be getting yourself into. And as Marie had mentioned before, sometimes it's not a good fit, and that's okay, too. So um, partying does not have to be awful. It can be actually a very good thing for you in your career. So, Ruth, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in learning about getting your assistance? They can absolutely go to my website, www.gabbycommunications.com, and that's G-A-B-B-Y, communications with an S, dot com. And um, that's probably the best way to reach me because all the contact information is there on that website. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you for tuning in, and thank you, Ruth, for sharing with our listeners. This is the Career Confidant. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff, M-A-R-I-E at astrategicadvantage.com. And you won't want to miss next week. We're going to have Susan Chitron here, the author of Branding for Dummies, Personal Branding for Dummies. She's going to share some great information about branding yourself during transition. So we'll see you right back here next week on the Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.